Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome to episode 13 of Dialing the Gates. I'm your host, David Reed, and we have a lovely, long show for you. Be prepared for the long haul here. I just got off the—this is the wonderful thing about this. these pre-recorded shows, Robert C. Cooper and Andy Frizzell. Um, I can do the pieces out of order and then assemble them as an editor later. I just got off the phone, off the Zoom with Andy Frizzell. We talked two hours, so what you're about to see is a lengthy interview. It is a great interview. She stays fascinating the whole way through, so get your pee break in now because you're going to need it. But before I go any further, if you like Stargate and would like to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal to me if you would click that like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. It already has started. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. This is key if, key if you plan on watching live. So clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. So this is going to be a pretty abbreviated episode um, in terms of the mechanics of it because it's all it's all. So this episode is going to be approximately uh, two hours long, probably a little bit over or under, depending on where things land in the editing. But Andy was a hoot, and she's uh, she's communicating to us from Phuket, which is why my room is so dark. So because the sun is on the other side of the planet. So I'm going to go ahead and. Bring in Andy. Without further ado, I have on the line straight from Thailand, <laughs> Miss Andy Frizzell. Andy, how Hi. are you? It's good to see you. From the Pegasus Galaxy to Phuket, here I am. <laughs> Why Phuket? Tell us the story. Oh, uh, the story. Um, actually, it well, the story began. The story begins about two years ago. Um, I decided to take a walkabout, a walk about the planet. Uh, I started my journey in um, uh, Colombia. Yes, you so did. That's to, when we last yes, talked. Exactly. So I, I literally did uh, that convention. And the Get day, gone. Monday, that Monday morning, I got on a plane. And that was the last time I saw a 90% of my wardrobe was, was that day. Uh, and so I packed a bag and I went to uh, South America. So I was in Colombia for five months. So I did Colombia, um, down into Ecuador, Venezuela, that area. And uh, then I came back to Canada for four days and flew to Indonesia. I went to Bali. So I was in Bali for three months, uh, which was just incredible, absolutely incredible experience. Um, 
And then from Bali, I went back through Vancouver. So I just seem to keep dropping off guitars that I buy and suitcases. They're just <laughs> piling up in the middle of the living room. And, uh, and then from there, I went to Turkey for a month, mm. Greece for five weeks, uh, Portugal for five weeks. And then I went to Costa Rica and I was in Costa Rica for uh, three months. And then uh, I know just a big walkabout. Um, and and, and it, now with 2020, you know, grinding to a halt, I, I, I feel I've been so blessed that I took that time uh, previously to, to, to wet my travel shoes, get out my travel shoes. Yeah, something like that. And uh, yeah, so then I went from Costa Rica, I went to Australia and I, I spent the three months in Australia. So uh, I was making my way slowly back to Canada. Well, actually, I was going to make my way to England first. There was a, a CalMaw convention that was yes. happening in June. Correct. So I wanted to do um, uh, Southeast Asia uh, because of my touch of it through Bali and Indonesia. I, I loved it so much. I went to uh, Kuala Lumpur as well. Yes. Um, so from, so in, the, in that time, so I was like, I know I want to come back. So I had basically uh, had plane tickets that went from, uh, I went from Australia, from Melbourne to uh, Phuket. And then I was going to spend a month here. And then, uh, then my next place was the Philippines. And then I was going on to Sri Lanka. And it was this whole journey. And so I arrived in the night. I went to sleep. And I woke up in the morning and went, what? And all my flights had been canceled. Um, the world stopped suddenly. So that was eight months ago. Eight months I've been. So I'm literally Thai now. I'm pretty much Thai. Yeah, I mean, I look Thai, right? <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I just blend right in, you know. So Like I just. <laughs> wow. So They've accepted me. <laughs> has, it, um, has it been stressful changing all the. Obviously, you didn't plan on spending this much time here, you know, have you had, have you had to make new arrangements and everything? Do you feel, do you in a way, I mean, it's, it's obvious. You just showed me some of it. It's obviously paradise, but I mean, you're still displaced. Is there, is there a feeling of, you know, I'm still trapped. I'm in paradise, but I can't leave here. No, no, No? I, I even have, I've even taken the word, uh, the word strand or stuck. There were so many people like you stuck in Thailand. I was like, I have been so blessed and highly favored to arrive here. Uh, I could have been, you know, anywhere in the world at this time when this happened. And I am so grateful that I landed here. Mm. And so and in comparison to the, um, the upheaval that this has caused in so many people's lives, I, I, I can't even begin to make a complaint. You know, um, we had a monsoon. Well, we had three monsoons come through (laughs) or three tropical storms, typhoons come through. And I still didn't want to complain, you know, because that's, you know, so many people are, are really displaced and uh, I'm very lucky. I, I do voice work online. So it's really not, yeah, it hasn't disrupted my, um, like my work, my creativity, um, you know, you really only wear flip-flops and shorts. So the only thing I, I would say if we're going to make a, a complaint is uh, I really didn't have very many clothes. And, and after, you know, washing three things a lot, they start to well, dissolve. You're, you're tall, basically. you know, I can't, I can't imagine that it's okay, easy to well, get stuff there. This is what I was fit. Just, uh, it, Okay. So, 
ding. So they don't have, yeah, exactly where I was going. So they don't have Amazon here. They have Lazada. And I was like washing the same four pair, well, two pairs of yoga pants, two pairs of shorts, like every, cause I do yoga every day. Yeah. Right. And so they were getting pretty thread barren, you know, like I'm pretty sure my downward dog was like moons over my hammy at some point, you know, like, Oh, you gotta get some. So anyway, I decided to go on Lazada and order. Right. And of course they have the sizes like small, medium and large. And I'm like, large. Oh, like you know, Oh, okay. So I ordered these shorts and they came and I was like, and I did order them large and I, because I like baggy clothes for when I'm doing yoga. I can't even describe how itty bitty these shorts were. I mean, and this was the largest. So this, this is my complaint that I'm a giantess, you know, in, in, in a country of itty bitty. Um, so that's been kind of funny. And actually some friends of mine uh, back in Canada were laughing, like you have to do a YouTube show, you know, where you open stuff from Lazada and try it on. And I was like, I think they have pornography laws here because some of these outfits are pretty small. <laughs> but, you know, I think they have some kind of YouTube thing that's like open the box surprises or something. Of course. They were yeah, like, but, yeah. I mean, you can only put you so much of it open. on. So there's but a lot I was left like, to cover. I, can't even, I was like, there's this, it would literally be like just bands of, you know, inappropriate, right? So, anyway, yeah. So to go on is, as I really can't, uh, I cannot, I don't have a single complaint, you know? And there's so many people's lives uh, have been uprooted and it, it's, yeah, there's not a complaint at all. I don't feel displaced. I I was able to, because of my very, nom at the, especially at the time, very nomadic. I mean, I was headed back to Vancouver to shoot. Um, the entire industry stopped, you know, while they revamped um, a lot of their regulations and rules and stuff. So work came to us on that front stopped anyway, you know? Mm. So um, I, yeah, no complaints here at all. I lived in the Philippines for the better of a part of a year while I worked at PayPal. Oh, wow. Where in the Philippines? Look at this giant cup. Yep. This is perspective. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a screenshot of this. This is fantastic. This is high. <laughs> at least you got your, is it tea or is it coffee? It's actually water. But I thought this looked gross. So I thought this ah, looked like I see what app. you're doing. You know? <laughs> I got it. So yes, because like in, when you do, when you're filming, you, they have to take all the brand names out yep. of everything, right? So I didn't want to be like, what else, David? <laughs> ding, 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 Andy ding, drinks know? Crystal. So, Drink Crystal exactly, today. Right? Andy approves. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, look at this giant. Oh cup. my gosh. The, anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Where no. in the Philippines were you? Makati City, the capital. Mm. Uh, at Manila. So uh, yeah, Manila. I I didn't want to go home. I didn't yeah. want to leave. I had made so many friends. That, and it wasn't just the friends. It was living there changed my life in a way that I can't describe because uh, they are so much happier than Western people are, and they mm. look up to us so much. And I, as I told them again and again. You guys don't, I mean, you're the ones to be envied. You have mm -hmm. nothing compared to, to many parts of the world. Your home yeah. floods, you know, as many of the, my, my friends, their home flooded every year. 
Yeah. Um, and the monsoons. Would, the yeah. monsoons would come in and they would row to the call center part part way <laughs> yeah. and then take the jeepney for the rest of the way. I'm sure you did the whole jeepney thing you know, yeah, yeah. with our heads ducked down because we don't fit. Um, but, you know, and yeah. then they're like, they're looking up to us and saying, oh, you know, the Western world is, you know, you're happier than all of us almost combined, you know? Yeah. And I learned a lot about just who I was as a person and how when I came back, like we, we would get on, I would watch the news and, you know, so-and-so called so-and-so a such and such and oh, a such and such. They called them a such and such. Can you believe that? Oh, now we have to initiate an apology. Yeah. <laughs> they must have an apology for the such and such. And I was like, guys, you have roofs over here. You have, you have clean running water that you flush down the yeah. toilet. And it just yeah. changed my life. Absolutely. I love the Pinoys. They're the hardest working yeah. people I have ever encountered. Yeah, it's I, I think that's why I travel, right, is to keep that um, perspective, because really, I mean, I can have opinions and thoughts on, on things, but um, it, it's all just based on my experience. So the broader that I can make my experience. So I told this um, saying, I, I you, please somebody look it up. I don't know where it came from, but I, I had heard it once and I make it my mantra um, a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. And so not to say mistakes, but that learning from other people's experiences. So the more experiences I can put myself in situations, um, the broader I think my worldview is. It becomes a worldview uh, because my my view is of that entirety and not mm. so narrowed, right? Because um, when you, you know, live in a small town, like in a small radius, and, and that becomes your whole world. And so whatever can happen in that space is relevant and important to you at that. So when you're saying, you know, the injustices of, of you know, speaking out and, and apologies, and, and in that small world, that really is relevant and important to the people that are experiencing that. Um, I find the broader that I can make my experience and, and, and right now, like, what do we value uh, as people as relevant and important, you know, like, what are we, when, when we are not able to go outside, um, you know, thinking about connection with people, how, how many people live like, you know, two blocks or three blocks from your house and you haven't made time to see them. We're all so busy doing all of these things. And then we're locked in our house and all you want to do is see that person that lives like two to three blocks away. And we're on these <laughs> all the time. Exactly. Exactly. We're experiencing the world through that distance, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's continuing through to separate that technology. us more and more. Otto von Bismarck. Yeah. Otto von Bismarck, who was a Prussian uh, German uh, statesman. Only a fool learns uh, from his own mistakes. The wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Yeah. Yes, I andyized it. Yeah, you andyized <laughs> it. That's it. great. That's great. Um, but it, yeah, it's go ahead. that kind of, you know, the more, the more experiences that you can have, you can see the prioritizing, you know, what they prioritize. And, and my experience here, when I, when I came to Thailand, I, or came to Phuket specifically, uh, I was here for the lockdown. And so the actual, it wasn't just the airports closing. Um, they locked down uh, Phuket into its districts. 
Um, and so I was in this district. And so they, the, they, the government announced that the, this was going to happen. Everybody was to stay in their homes. And then there was like a mobile unit that came around and tested people. And um, anyway, so what that lockdown was happening and I went to the store, to the grocery store to, to stock up for food. And you could see the difference between the, um, Westerners, the foreigners, and what we were buying, and what the Thai people were buying—the types of and, things and, in your in your yes, shopping cart, you mean, or your basket? The amount, yes. Um. And I like how you say basket. Okay, so the foreigners were in lineups with wheelie carts, you know, two to three of them all, and and you're pulling like a train towards the checkout. And, you know, full of alcohol and like, you know, chips. Everything they'll need for a month, probably. Everything they'll need for, and, and, and that, the lockdown was a month. It, okay. was a, it was a month long. So, so that's what they were like. And then, then right behind them was, a, and this was two foreigners, you know, like two, a couple say, right? And, and, and then right behind them was a Thai family, so there was the father, the three children, the mom, and they had rice, vegetable, you know, and they were carrying, they didn't even have a basket. They were like, this is, this is what we're going to need, you know? And, and it just, it just was interesting, you know, not, not in a judgmental way, but just what is a priority? You know, what do we prioritize in, uh, as, you know, you're going away for one month. What are you going to pack? You and know, how much and, do and we, we were, really need? And, 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 and a lot of prepackaged food and a lot of alcohol and a lot of like, it, it just, it was very interesting to me, just, just what we prioritize. And I think if now after that month, you put those same people and said the same thing was going to happen, would they choose different things now that we've had that experience? It would be very interesting. And, and also the, the dispose, I, I don't want to say disposable income, but um, here, and, and I'm speaking very globally and, and, and uh, only from what I witness and my personal experience. So of course, anyone can say that's not true of, uh, you know, for sure. I can, my, my theories, my opinions can be challenged. So I just like to put that out there. It's not every type person. Um, but I feel that they don't live with credit like we do. So, so to get, you know, three carts of, of food at one time is accessible to a culture that lives in credit or, you know, has car credit cards and whatever, whatnot. Um, and I found that the Thai people don't have access to that. They live uh, quite frugally and they live, you know, sort of hands, you know, I'm not hand to mouth, but in that sort of cycle. So, there's also that difference when you don't have this accessible, you know, credit, what do you prioritize? Right. You know, is it, do you, do you want six cases of beer? Uh, if you have to pay from them for the future, like from the, your, from your future, you're paying for them, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. I don't know. It was just an interesting, it was an interesting place to be. And then of course, you know, to, to see what's happening in the West, in relation to what's happening here and i'm not an i'm not making opinions about mm -hmm. who did what right or wrong mm -hmm. it's just you you can you know everything is being documented and so you can see these very different views and very different ways of handling things so i found that very interesting um 
you know, especially like the mask culture. Oh, and, and, and I'm not here. I'm not here to judge or to opinionate uh, mm -hmm. anyone's personal choices. And um, here, though, uh, a majority of people ride scooters and mm -hmm. uh, I myself included. Um, Good for you. And, I loved it. Yeah, I look like a giant match, <laughs> you know, with this helmet and this skinny body hitting lots of wind surface, you know, but I love my scooter. And, uh, and, and so it's a, a scooter culture. And because of pollution and bugs and things, everyone wears a mask. And, and so it's, it was, it was seamless to, to move that mask from outside to inside. Um, it's just, it's just part of their culture here. Uh, and, and then, you know, speaking with my friends in Canada, um, Vancouver specifically has a large Asian population. And so masks, and I'm not speaking for everyone at all, you know, uh, and saying it's the 100% rule, the, just an opinion. Yeah, the Eastern cultures tend to wear masks more than we do. I saw it when I was in yeah, Japan, you know, if you're sick or if you feel sick, you exactly. wear a mask. Yeah, and 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 so uh, they they just have a different view mm -hmm. of of again we're and this is the whole conversation we're having right now is a different view. Uh, it's not a right or wrong thing, just a different view of it. So, so for me, that's it became quite seamless. It was very it, it, masks were very accessible. You found ones that worked and ones that didn't, like some that made you way sweatier, you know, <laughs> you know, dripping down here, uh, and and you know, it just. But this, it was just a different mm. way of approaching the situation, it seems. And then you have, because everything is so documented now, right? Um, seeing how uh, different cultures, different countries just handled it so differently. It. Yeah. Yes. And, and not to say anyone will only be able to look back and say who did it better, who wore it best, you know, who wore 2020 the best. In right. hindsight, we're yeah. in it right now, and it's unprecedented. And so, uh, you know, maybe this is a Pollyanna view of it, but everyone's trying to do the best they can. I, you know, in my opinion, you know, trying to make it work in unprecedented circumstances. So I'm really grateful to have you on the show. This show is supposed to be an oral history of Stargate, but we also want to capture yes. you as a person. Um, so if you could do me a favor and take me, tell, tell me about your upbringing, who, where are you from originally? And, okay. uh, who are you as a young person? Uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, what I wanted to say in, in, I don't, I don't even know what time we're at right now. What we've learned about me is that I talk a lot. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what we've no. learned about so far. Not I possible. Know, this is. I was like, I, I'm waiting for the, like the, you know, the red light. They're like, it's over. Get off the, you know. So that's what we learned about me so far. Um, so I'm Canadian. I was born on the uh, east coast of Canada. So in a little island called Prince Edward Island. Um, but yeah. as you see, the nomadic genes don't fall too far from the tree. Uh, my mom traveled. We, we, we lived in every province and uh, one territory. So I grew up moving around the country. Um, and then when I was 17, I, I moved myself to Europe and then I traveled extensively for about 11 years. So all over Europe, South America. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, it, I'm much more comfortable. I think I, well, comfortable, you know, when people say like your comfort zone, I, I feel like my comfort zone is out of my, the I'm planet. much more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. When I'm, <laughs> when I'm not comfortable, when I'm like, where's the water and why is there a lump in this bed? And who, what's that? I, I'm much more comfortable in uncertainty. I think than when it's too certain, uh, maybe, I guess. Uh, and who, who was, so I grew, I grew up all, uh, all over Canada. Um, did your parents instill in you a sense of, uh, because of the movement, a, a sense of wonder about the world and who, who's responsible for that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting cause, uh, I'm a little bit older. So I had parents, uh, you know, in the eighties and eighties parents weren't really like, let's sit down and talk about the welfare of my child. You know, they were like, this is what we're doing and we have the food. So if you want to come with us, you know, you might want to get in the eat. car. Yeah. yeah if you want to like, you know, so I just find it really interesting because we now superimpose uh, today's parenting of, of openness and discussion and Honey, forum. what do you want? Yeah, there wasn't really like, I remember coming home from school and seeing like a couch go out the door and I'm like, I think I'm moving. And then my friend's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, okay, bye. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I, and, and whatever the motivations uh, behind that, like, you know, is uh, economics uh, for work, work, I'm sure, but also curiosity on my, on my mom's part of, you know, finding better jobs in schools and things like that. And, and she wasn't tied down to certainty. So I guess that was instilled in me. And I guess it's, you can go to uh, two ways with that. You can embrace it and, uh, and, and have a curiosity about it, or you can become anxious about it and, and want to create even more stability in your life. Right. Really not move really not. So I guess I embraced it and then, and then took it global. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. Who are your heroes? So the, yeah. Who, who, uh, yeah. who, who made you, res- who made you the, the person you are today um, through real life, through study? Who do you consider your heroes? Uh, well, you know, it's funny you should say who who made me the person I am today. I don't know if it's a person, but adversity absolutely made me the person I am today. <laughs> uh, I think that's really how, you know, by, by putting yourself, by going outside of your comfort zone and challenging yourself um, and adversity coming up and, and problem solving, and that creates who you become. I mean, I I have heroes. I have people that I admire, that I look up to, um, you know, especially in my career, like in, with actors, uh, um, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman was just, yeah. Right. Incredible. Um, absolutely. And, you know, uh, Kate Blanchett and, and just so many incredible actors. And, and, you know, one of my, someone I admire very, very much because of his ability uh, is Brad Pitt. Um, And it never ceases to absolutely amaze me that this man is, is one of the most, I mean, someone can challenge my statistics by the way, Um, but is one of the most photographed people on the planet. Right. And yet, so we know his face, you know, and yet, 
you can go into a movie theater, or I guess you used to be able to. <laughs> you can watch a movie. One day. Yeah. One day. Um, you, can, you can watch a movie that stars Brad Pitt, and in seconds, you forget that you're watching Brad Pitt. Like, his ability to, to create this character that's so believable that even your logical brain that knows that is Brad Pitt, he's so recognizable, you are completely lost in the story and lost in his character. I, I just, that to me is an incredible ability and, and uh, something that I would love. And I mean, I have been so lucky that my characters are not, thankfully, are not even recognizable to myself. Like I, I get to like come alive in the chair, you know, with the, with the Wraith Queens. And so I'm already uh, a, 10 steps ahead, you know, uh, of, of having to create that out of, you know, a non-recognizable, you know, he, he's so recognizable and, and then he has to work against what you already know. And he's so good at that. And I'm like, you don't even know what's happening under here. And, and I, I'm sure I have shared with you yeah. multiple stories of the first season, you know, um, going to the rap party and walking up to Bev, who at the time was the mic lady, you know, and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And she was like, good. And kind of turning away from me. And I was Who's like, this? Hey lady. <laughs> yes. I was like, Hey, you just had your hands on my pants yesterday. And now you won't even look me in the eyes. And she was like, Andy, like it was, <laughs> you know, ah, like his miking is the last thing that happened. So I had already spent all my hours in the chair, and and because of the length of time of putting the prosthetics on, um, you know, that I arrived hours before, before even everyone the else. other trailers. Yeah, but I'm not even talking just about like the other actors and the other and the crew and and catering. I arrived before other trailers arrived. Like I would get to the lot and there would be one trailer and, and that's where, and I'd go in and the circus would be built around me while I was getting my face on. And then I would walk out and I'll be like, there's people. So even catering had never seen my face. Even the, 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 the guys that, you know, that put the trailers together, you know, the Teamsters, they had never even seen my face Just until second season. James, Luf, is it Lafazanos? Yes. And, I, you know, I sometimes like Dan Payne or, you know, the, yeah, those those people who were the, the Wraith entourage, you know, they would have known yeah. who you were. But other than that, you know. Yeah, but, and that's it. And, 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 and James and I were the, you know, really only worked the together. OG. So, yeah, so yeah. so it was like we knew, and and then we also had to be fitted for like contact lenses and stuff like that. And so I will say one of my favorite stories is is actually being in the contact place, and I had yet to meet him, but I went there to get the lenses fitted, and I turned around and he walked in the door, and both of us were like, "Ooh." I had never seen this man who looks exactly like me. Like we have the same bone structure. We're the same height. We're both sort of blonde. And we looked at each other like, do I, like, yeah. are we related? Like yeah. how did they find the two of us? And Vancouver is not such a giant city and it's not, but I've never seen him before. Right. Brad Wright it, always it, said that the Wraith are very genetically similar to one another. So, you know, it yes. made sense that, they found someone that looked very similar to you. 
Yeah, and it was so crazy because we were both like, wow, like how have I never seen you before? Like at a, a, you know, at a showing of something else or mini pitch and putt in Stanley Park. How have I never seen you before? And you do look like, a, like my brother, you know? So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, anyway, where were we going? Yes, so for me, the real essence of, a, of an actor is, is to be able to take you into the story and and uh, someone who can do that who is so recognizable i just think is uh, incredible and kate blanchett as well you know her ability to just absorb you into the story and you're like i know this amazing beautiful woman you forget and you're who, watching them you absolutely and you're yeah. completely absorbed into their character i have the same you know? reaction to johnny depp he is a chameleon he, yeah. he, he disappears yep. right in front of you, even if he's not that's like it. heavily in makeup. So, yeah. yeah. And that's what I was saying is I, I had the benefit of heavily in makeup, you know? Yeah. So I guess if you say those are my heroes, but I, it, hero is such an interesting word. You know, I, I like how you use that word. I, I think, you know, the heroes are really the people that are, gonna get out of like get out of the situation that we're in right now you know People definitely are, yeah a different you a, know a, the, that is definitely the the most pure form of hero as far as i'm concerned but yeah the the people that in, in that kind of context, and you answered it, the, the people who you who enable you to professionally aspire to what you want to be and things like that. Yeah, so and that was a not, professional. And, right, yeah, not necessarily and the, the life person. You're like, like if I'm yeah, going to do yeah. something at the most critical moment of my life, the reason that I'm on this earth, that's yeah. what you're referring to there is that, yeah. that other form of hero. Yeah, just kind of like, you know, they inspire you to look inside yourself. And so, so that was that was professionally, um, but just heroes in general. And that's what I mean by how we come out of this on the other side, you know, those are the people that are inspiring me because it's making me look inside myself and, and, and those are heroes to me. It's, mm -hmm. it's not so much what they do, but what mm -hmm. they can inspire in you to do. And so you can take that professionally. You can take that, um, uh, community wise, socially, you know, um, relationships in my opinion so those are heroes and is any of stargate's content in your estimation the the what you worked on at least more relevant now than it was when it was filmed oh that's interesting um i think i know why Stargate is uh, intrinsically like people love it and they and they're such de devoted fans of it is because of the inspiration of imagination. You know, it takes us out of the here and now into the imagination, into boundaries and pushing boundaries and things, uh, you know, worlds, new worlds, new exploration, that curiosity, you know. Um, so I think that is is why sci-fi shows have these lasting fans you know because they no matter when you watch it you're still inspired you know it still broadens you to this different world view like a bigger world view that encompasses more worlds right um but like specific content or specific messages uh that's where I'm jamming up because I yeah. don't really well, you didn't, know. Hey, if you didn't see it when it was on the air, you didn't have a, you said you didn't have a television set. Yeah, Got I it. didn't. I didn't. And, Some people and don't so, watch TV. 
Yeah. And, 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 and that's what I was trying to say is like, I understand the value of it. I under, absolutely understand the value of the show, but to speak in particulars about the content mm-hmm. or certain content, I, I don't want to speak out in a, like yeah. a f- fake, fakely. There's enough fake news happening. Boy, I don't want to add it, to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I well, let me ask you this I, then. And, and so that's uh, why it's jamming me up. I think how, aware of the franchise were you before being cast? I mean, you were in the Vancouver area. It's yeah, shot yeah. up there for seven years before Atlantis even uh, appeared. Yeah. Well, which is interesting that you say that because um, we cast this in 2004 and uh, I was living in Vancouver. Um, I just moved there in 2000. And so Stargate, uh, what did I know about it as an actor um, was that it was casting in and I had auditioned for, you know, like parts and roles and things that were coming up, smaller things. But, but watching the actual show, I see this is what's so incredible about the show is even though I'm not a, a sci-fi show series watcher, I guess, um, is that I heard of the show. You know, like, and, and, and I'd watched the movie, right? The original movie. And I thought that was fascinating. The idea that there would be a gate that would, you know, take us to these other worlds and that, you know, how much of the unknown things that are here on our planet now, you know, unexplained things could, could come from this. Like the imagination was incredible. And then again, you and I talked about this um one of our first interviews about the religious and, and social ideas and that came out of all of it. Yeah. Spiritual. And so, so I, I found like, even though I wasn't watching the show, I still knew of the show and knew the show's impact, you know, Um, even if I didn't know specific episodes, Uh, but now of course, with, with streaming and the internet, uh, to be able to check into a show uh, that you're going to audition for, just to see how they're filming it, how what kind of themes are you know working with, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. At that time, there wasn't. I, I mean, even if I had a television and cable network, I would have to have waited until the episode aired. Remember those days, you know? So. It sounds like I'm talking about it like so far in the past where, you know, we didn't have running water. (laughs) It depends on your perspective. (laughs) I know. It's so funny how quickly we adapted to this technology. People who Uh, were born when you were shooting are driving now. (laughs) Andy. Are they? Are they just telling their car to do stuff? Oh my gosh. Ain't that the truth? It, it, it's crazy. What, what it's so a true. world. And I actually went, to a silly story, side story. Yeah. Um, please do feel free to edit whatever you want, by the way, because <laughs> I will just keep talking to you. Okay. Um, but side story, I was uh, at a friend's birthday party and it's like a younger guy friend of mine. And we were talk. they were talking about Facebook and, I, and I'm not on Facebook. And, uh, um, not for any other reason than it just seemed like one more password to have to remember. So <laughs> I am not, you know, I'm like, oh, forget it. And, and if I didn't sp- speak to you from kindergarten, there's probably a reason, you know, you ate that red crayon and I wanted to use it. So anyway, um, the point being, I'm not on Facebook. And so, so I was talking about my travel, like traveling and, and they were very curious as to, how you keep in touch with people, you know, before 
And, and so I was saying before Facebook, and, and I said, I traveled around the world before Facebook. And, and this guy says to me, I said, no, I said, I traveled around the world before the internet. And this guy says to me, he's like, yeah, I remember when it was only MySpace. And I was like, MySpace, fool? I'm talking no internet, like not even just like, uh, like platforms, social media platforms. Uh, there was no internet, like no internet. There was no Google Maps. Were there, there was cell phones? No, like, there was no cell phones. Okay, no cell phones. So that's there wasn't pre, pre early 90s. Yeah. 1992, yeah. I started traveling. 1992, um, uh, when my first trip to France in 1990, I left in 90, well, I left late 91. So there was no, and I remember in 1999, I was living in Athens and there was uh the internet existed okay at that point they existed and there was hotmail and you could get uh okay honest to god look i had one like, i had one I, in 98 but i'm i'm not like a thousand years old that's what i'm trying to say like that that's this is incredible that it's happened so quickly yeah. anyway so to say like again i was traveling a lot and then i moved to vancouver in 2000 and I started my career then, my acting career. Um, so I had heard of the show. Uh, obviously, it was casting there, but I and I heard of the impact from the fans of what they were creating, the content that they were creating, how imaginative it was. But had I access to sit and watch, you know, I didn't. I didn't watch television. Got it. <laughs> I know. I still don't. Okay, can I tell you another little secret? Yeah. So. In, I've been in the room that I've been in now for three months and a friend in the building, uh, something happened because we had these typhoons coming through. So the powers were going, power was going out, towers were going down. And so he texted me and he said, is your cable on your television, is it working? And I wrote back, I have a television? And I was looking around my room I didn't even know. And there's a giant flat screen, like a 60 inch. I didn't even, I haven't even turned it on. I haven't, I didn't cable. Why am I watching Thai cable television? <laughs> like, I was see, I was in Chicago for Christmas <laughs> and I was in a bedroom at my cousin's house. And, uh, I, I had been there for, we were on death watch watching my, my uncle died of agent orange. And so we were there for three weeks. Oh, and, David, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. He, I mean, we, we got to, we got to spend some time with him before he went. But anyway, the room that I was in also had a giant flat screen television. And I mentioned something about not having like TV or whatever. And they're like, there's one in there. There's one in there. <laughs> and I walked in there. And I noticed it for the first. So it's not just you. I yeah, don't, I, I rarely, you know, I, it's my device. So I'm not saying yeah. that I don't use that stuff, but I don't watch TV. Yeah. So it's not just you, Andy. Yes. And I, <laughs> and I, I know I just, and then people laugh at me. They're like, how can you, you know, be an actor? And, and, and I'm like, well, you know, studying, like, that's what the internet has been so incredible, like being able to, to study, you know, the actor's studio, Correct. to watch actors, to do. And I, when I was in, um, in Australia, I went to the Howard Fine um, studio of acting there. So he's a, a coach from LA that has a studio in Melbourne. 
and I got back on stage for the first time in a long time. It was, oh, it was incredible. And, um, and so the, the tool and skill of acting is not necessarily watching, you know, shows, right? I am um, an avid, avid, avid reader. Um, avid. I think they just sent me a ping saying, since January, I've read 1,200 and some books. <laughs> Good for you. Wow. You slurp them down like Skittles. Holy cow. I do. And I mean, obviously I have lots of time on my hands, so it's not, you know, I wouldn't expect like a normal person to be able to get a thousand books down in, in 10 months, but and I'm not, and I'm not saying they're tomes of like, you know, uh, yeah, but they're not. Yeah, but they're not goosebumps apply, books, you know? Andy. I mean, you know, they're, they're probably, you know, um, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just saying it's yeah well i like the goosebump so. <laughs> I, oh, God. I can't believe you picked them specifically well i was thinking of something believe- short and you know the shorter than that is like amelia bedelia like from when i was growing up so uh, i mean come yeah on. i got yes i do have a, a bunch of rl stein <laughs> Oh my I gosh, secret revealed. I know. That's too funny. It's so funny. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I can understand the allure of, yeah. of sci fi and fantasy and okay. fiction. And I love that. But I just, my medium of absorbing it is, is, it. Through, is through my Kobo. Well, it's not a, I'm not carrying a bunch of books with me, even though this makes it look like I. <laughs> No, you're in the library there. So let me. I know. I look at my library. Let me yes. bring this this Sorry. back. So the um, what, <laughs> to no, actual you, questions. No, what was your um, initial breakdown of the keeper? Who I mean, let's. I, she was a queen for all until we know that now. Yeah. She was a queen. Um, and what did you infer just based on the script? And tell us about the audition. Well, what was super exciting about this script is uh, this character had never been seen before. And I was the queen. The race so had never been seen I, before. That's what I mean. Like, it, yeah. it, 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 nothing, you know, they didn't exist. And so this is where great writing comes in. Like, uh, you know, people can say, oh, I'm a great actor. And uh, this is a great director. And, and, and the, you know, all of that works, but not on a silo. We need everybody. And so I can say, like, I created this, uh, this, this sense that they were more reptilian, you know? Like, I love that, that kind of idea. And, and, and uh, James had the same sense. But where did we elicit that from? Is from the text, you know? The writing was so good that it just, again, it enabled us. And then the creativity um, of, of the uh, masks and, you know, of the prosthetics, right? From the amazing creativity of the, of the vision that they had for the race, uh, for the race, the race, race, the yeah. race, race, race. The race, the race, race. The race, race. Um, and, uh, and so I was able to elicit from them. The writing was super great. So I remember, uh, the audition came through and I had, I can't remember what it was for. Like must've been a Halloween costume or something, but I had this platinum blonde, like egghead kind of looking wig that was very severe. And I've never, um, 
most of my auditions, uh, I go in just wearing a black singlet and black, you know, tights and I just do it. If I can't convey to you, um, who I am without a costume, then, then, then to me, I'm not doing my job. Right. And so I, I don't really dress up uh, for auditions, but for some reason, I just felt like I wanted to, uh, really wash out any, um, human, in myself you know mm -hmm. so I put I put no makeup on and and I'm in the, unlike what these are telling you right now it's the lighting in here um I'm quite blonde like no eyebrows no eyelashes so I put no makeup on and then I had this really severe wig so it just was like all cheekbones and jaw you know and then in the audition itself, I, I just really focused on the eyes and and because I felt like I again from the writing, this is everything is just I'm just picking it up from the tight, tight writing. Um, was that this was like an like a predator prey and I was the predator, and so it was all eye contact and and so that was the audition. Um, and I will say and Somebody else could tell me different, but what my imagination told me um, was I didn't even get a call back. We did first auditions and then I got the part. And so I, I'm not saying there was, weren't people in contention as well. Right, I'm sure there was other very talented. Yeah. There was no callback for that. It, and, and so I felt like they saw in me or I, I was able to pull from the page at least something that they saw. And I'm not saying there wasn't other talented people in the mix or uh, other things. I just, I feel like I really uh, was able to embody what they were trying to convey on the page. Um, and, and that's how I got, like, I'd like to say that's how I got it. Somebody else would be like, Martin would be like, oh no, she was the one, she, she was the tallest one. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> But no, I mean, that's a point. I don't think you've ever brought that up, though, where I was, I mean, you were the, the peak predator in, in the Pegasus galaxy, as, as yeah. the, the queen knew, she, that was as far as she was concerned. And I don't, I don't ever recall thinking about, you know, making eye, making piercing eye well, contact with your prey. Yes. And, you know, yes, like a snake and, and, would. Yes. And that's, and so you, you see, you're starting to do it now, like it's deduct, it's deductive reasoning, right? So you're like, if I am this, and if I am that in, and, and all of it's being pulled from the dialogue, all of it's being pulled from, from the writing. Um, it just makes, and then not having a, a precedent of, of what it was previously, the imagination just percolates, you know, and then to meet up with James and him intrinsically having the same sort of uh, nuances as well. Like and physicality, probably. Physical, that's yeah. the thing. And we were both like, ah, oh, this is amazing, you know, that we both picked up that. But that comes from great writing, right? Great storytelling. Great costuming, um, and so, great makeup, and that, great actors. This is a great act. See, it all comes together, right? And so... I don't think anything happens in a silo, you know, like I read it and then I imagined all of this. I was able to pull from set deck even, you know, walking into the set and you're like, oh, I was feeling it. like uh, set deck. And here's a great example of that. Um, Mark Davidson, uh, set decorator. I, yeah. You, thank you. You're, yeah. you're awesome. With the, the, all the names. I'm the worst with names. <laughs> Mark is brilliant. Um, 
Absolutely. And so uh, I remember, you know, walking onto set for the, for the, um, for the keeper and she's uh, devoured the skeleton. Right. And so when I came on and I saw that full skeleton and I pass uh, Dan Payne and I'm talking to Robert Patrick, who's behind me. And I saw that the, the skeleton there and I just felt this taunting, like, this is where, this is going to be you. Like I have all the power here. And I started to stroke the top of that skeleton, you know, and then it really highlighted like the fingers. And, but that just came from this. I wasn't like, I wasn't in my trailer. Like, you know, it'd be great. I didn't even know <laughs> there the skeleton. was going to be a, Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sounded really gross. I was in my trailer and I wanted do not clip that part out. I was in my trailer. I wanted to stroke a skeleton. Um, anyway, <laughs> Well, what you're telling him is, uh, Robert Patrick is, you're next. That's <laughs> it. And, and it was like I was playing with the, like, and so, you know, as an actor, I, you use all the things that are around you. And because I was surrounded by so much talent, um, it was, I, I want to say it was easy to create this character, you know, because of everything that you're given, Right. So yeah, that's that that those are my recollections mm. of how she evolved, you know? How how the queens and how how did you work to identify with a species or a character that is more or less like this guy back here, um, set up to be the epitome of absolute evil? I mean, these creatures <laughs> absorb the essence of human beings. You know, you literally just took us full circle, my friend, full circle, because the very first interview I ever did for Stargate was with you. It was at a sci-fi convention. Yeah. Do you remember this? And it was, you asked me about being evil. And I looked at you and said, I'm not evil. I'm just hungry. Do you remember? Yes, I do now. And I think you titled it Queen of the Hungry. Hungry. Yes, I did. That's right. Good recall. Right? Yes, because because I can't remember people's names, but yeah. Uh, but I because as a character, as a as a as a as an alien, as a person, as a whatever, you never think your intentions are evil. You never think that. You you think that you see we judge others by their actions but we judge ourselves by our intent uh that's stephen covey i'm pretty sure that's that's stephen covey uh we judge ourselves by our intention and others by their behavior by their behavior that's it Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah so so my intention as, as this wraith was to eat and to feed and to procreate and, and to keep my species going at whatever that meant or whatever my, you know, do you look at a bear and be like, that bear is evil, you know? No, it's in their nature. Right. That's what they're doing, you know? So yeah. I remember this conversation and I was like, I'm not evil. And you're like, but you're evil. <laughs> you're, they're evil to us. But exactly. you, you have yeah. the line in the pilot, all living things must eat, you know, eat. and yeah. she's, see, that, but I mean, she's also not going in there, strolling in there and saying, God, I'm really sorry. I have to do this, you know, and then yes. but she's, she's but playing with her prey yeah. like a cat plays with the mouse. 
you know? Right. But that's, again, is that, and this is what I think is really fascinating is, the, is our, is our limitations um, as humans to put human characteristics Anthropomorphize. on exactly it's yeah. a like, fair point oh yeah that just rolled right off in my tongue exactly what you just said uh is that you know you say compassionately you know she talks to him right so she gave him the benefit of the doubt that he was intelligent enough to speak to right because if it was just a feeding frenzy she would just ate him so there is a human part to her that is is doing the prey play kind of concept. She is looking to get something from him other than sustenance. Yeah, right? Because she too. wants to find she, she wants, wants information. Exactly. So but she also wants to let him know I'm not afraid of, like I'm I'm in I'm the boss. I'm top here, do- top dog know? in this galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, We're like at the top I'm of not... the pyramid. Exactly. And so, but I, it's a, I don't have to apologize. Do you know what I mean? Like you walk into a bear, you know, in a bear cave and the bear is like, ah, and you're like, oh, do you feel bad? No, that's, no, that's my fault. Yeah. I I got into its space. So that's a fair point. (laughs) You know, but I, I do find that really amazing, you know, that we, we add these human faulty you know well not the compassion is faulty but we add human characteristics to you know so i never felt that she was evil i felt that, that she was trying to do what they do which is is keep their race going right and um so yeah i i never felt that it was evil so i didn't have to uh apply evil mm. because i didn't think it was evil as you know? the sh- it, it's interesting your your frame of reference you know at, as embodying this character as the show progressed it was basically confirmed that the ancients created them so yeah, with, with yeah. the iratus bugs so they only became that which we allowed them to become by accident so yeah. th- it's not their exactly. fault that they exist and that they do what See, they do and I think if you look, and, and maybe you can cut away in this uh, two parts of that first interview, but I believe I remember saying that exact thing. It's not my fault that you woke me up and that, you, yeah. you know, that I'm hungry and this is, I actually believe there's a point. So you might want to look that. <laughs> I didn't expect to be interview. going back to 15 years ago. I would have, should have done my homework. Yeah. Was it that long ago? But yeah. I, so I, I think that's a great, I think it was so funny when you said that. Cause I just, it's full. It connected you right hour. there. Yeah, so absolutely. You, but again, yeah. sorry. Please. Oh, but ahead. again, even, even differentiating between the different Queens um, again, was very easy because the writing was so solid. Um, her intentions were so uh, clear, you know, like in submersion, get out of here. Uh, yeah. You know, what, like they were very allies, like everything, the intention, because the writing was so tight, um, it was, you, I didn't have to add on to my character characteristics. I just changed my intent. And when you change your intent, then you change your, like we were just saying, your behavior changes, right? right. You do things differently because you have a different intention. So, yeah. and the writers were so great at, uh, and the story, the overall story uh, was so clear as to where they wanted me to go that I didn't have to make it up. 
it, it manifested itself from my setting a strong intention. It was there. What was it like? You mentioned James. Um, you, yes. you, you brought up briefly Robert Patrick and Martin him. Wood. Absolutely. What was it like working with the likes of, of a Terminator and a, a director of 80 episodes of Stargate and a movie? Oh, God. Well, Martin was very intimidating. I feel he really. He, I felt very intimidated because he's very clear on what he like likes to see, and he's very organized. And you know, um, but after one day or one episode of shooting with him, you realize just how amicable he is. How like he's a really comfortable, nice guy, you know. But that director, you know, you have in your mind is always like, and and someone so established, you know, that that it can be when you first meet him very intimidating because you see the director before you see the person. Um, and I don't know if this is a story, but I remember the the sort of not I wouldn't say the tension. It was the concentration of of the pilot and and how it's everything a big deal. was being. Con- it really was. Yeah. You know, they're taking this very established. Um, a series and then adding on to it, you know, so, and already people want it to fail because it's not the original, you know, so, so he was taking something and so there's, there's a lot of intensity, you know, new characters, new people, everybody working. And so we call it the inner circle is, is when the director calls in first team and, and then we're all around and, and, and you're in the set and the atmosphere and he's kind of blocking it out. This is what I want to see happen. This is where. And so at this point, at still at this point, I think I'd only been there. Maybe we'd been on set. It was maybe day one or day two. I think it was probably day one. Anyway, this intense huddle, you know, and everybody's like alert, like what's, okay, where do you want this to go? And, and I, and I, like I said, it was quite intimidating, you know, he's very sure and speaks, you know, with a lot of confidence. And so he's speaking and then he stops and he looks around the circle and he goes, someone farted in the inner circle. And I died laughing. I, it just broke, because he said it with such intensity and certainty. <laughs> and then he just walked away. And, and that's when I knew that, you know, this, to be intimidated is just, it was my thing, not his thing, you know? <laughs> he meant, yeah. Someone farted. SG One was known for its flatulence behind the scenes, right? And maybe I don't know whether it's because I had that big mask on or something. I didn't smell it, but it wasn't in your section of the inner circle. It wasn't in my section of the inner circle. I'll tell you that. Oh my god! Uh, But just, just you know, in that moment, you just you you get past a director to being the the creative person that he is, and you see him as a person, right? So uh, he was great. And then Robert Patrick was amazing. You know, the as a Canadian actor and, and you have very established American actors coming in and you have your you hear all these stories about people's attitudes and stuff. Robert Patrick could not be more I want I want to say accommodating, but he wasn't he was just a comfortable he he treated everyone as a peer, um, as someone that was where you know, he, there was no pretense about him. Um, and, and really Terminator, like you could have come in and, and right. And and I know all of us would rightfully so had given homage, you know, um, but he didn't have any of those airs about him. 
super comfortable. And I do have a funny Robert Petrick story. Again, we go back to the masks. Yeah. To wearing prosthetics. So fast forward a couple of years later, I would probably say four years later. I'm just going to guess now. Maybe it was 2008. And I was flying from LA to uh, New Zealand. And I was walking through the LAX. I was walking through the airport and Robert Patrick was walking the other way. And without thinking, you know, because he was so approachable and so friendly, I was like, Robert. And he's like, Hey, and I'm like, Oh my God, it's so good to see you. I was like, what are you doing in the airport? And he gave me a little brief. He's like, where are you off to? I'm like, here, here, here. We chatted, chatted. And then I was like, you know, man, it was really great to see you. I really enjoyed working with you on Stargate. He had no and he idea goes, who you were. Oh, that's who you are. <laughs> he's like, and then of course we burst out laughing. He's like, and I said, you just figured out just in that last sentence of what I said, who I was. And he said, yes. I said, you gave nothing away. You're a really great actor because you gave <laughs> nothing away. Like, I had no idea you didn't know who I was. And then he said, to my compliment, he said, a beautiful woman walks up to you in the airport and says your name. What are you going to go? I don't know you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, oh, he was lovely. I'm He's a lovely human. I'm terrible yeah. with faces. And people will be like, hey, David, hey, you. Oh. <laughs> See, and we have the opposite. Because you said, you uh. said to me, um, you know, you're dropping names for me and stuff, and I'm yeah. Well, faces. I've done my research. Like, that's I, something else. Yeah, so. I that's funny. I I barely remember my name sometimes. <laughs> you know, like I'm like it's and oh, it's with a, a, no two e's. Yeah, there's two. You know, and so uh, but faces yeah. bang on, bang really? on. Really, but then oh. I but then I forget that they may not have seen me with you, this face. You. Yeah, exactly. I forget that. So I'm like, well, what's happening there? You know, and they're like, who is this person talking to me? Uh, it happened with Joe as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause I, at the time I had an apartment that uh, was across the beach from the uh, Stanley park and Joe and his wife and their kids were out riding bikes. And so I came down and I said, Joe, how's it going? I run. And he was like, you know, cause he's like with his family. So immediately right. he's like, I, I could tell he was like, wait a second, you know, like if this is a fan or, you know, which yeah. is, he's, he's completely open to speak to people, but this is his family is with right, him, you exactly. know? So it's totally you have to protect understand. them. And yeah. I was coming in. Like, I wasn't <laughs> like, like I was like, hi, you know? And, and I just murdered you two days ago, you know, I tried to murder you two days ago, you know, and I was coming in and, and then I recognized it on his face. And I was like, Oh, Oh, Joe, it's me. I'm it's Andy, the rape queen. And then he was like, Oh my God. And then he says to his wife, Oh my God, that's the right. Look at her. You know, like, <laughs> it was pretty funny, but, funny. but you know, he was, I'm sure, I, I think it might've been different if he hadn't had his children with him as well, well you of know, course. but, yeah. but his first reaction was like, what is this coming at me? You know? <laughs> and I was like, it's me. <laughs> you know? oh, it's her, you know? Speaking of all that makeup. Yes. Uh, a lot of latex. 
I would imagine. Yeah. And you know, you had in, in rising, you actually had gloves. Those actually weren't your fingers. Yes. Right. All the way up to the elbow. Yeah. There was like, they were long. They were really long and, and they had um, finger extensions inside of them to, to elongate. Right. And so to get your hand into this silicone, they literally squeeze two tubes of KY jelly and you ha- and it was cold and wet and slimy and you had it was so interesting <laughs> uh, <laughs> i cannot tell you how grateful i was that those hit the heat um pretty quickly they were pretty gross <laughs> wash your hands they before were you very, eat anything andy oh my god oh my god yes it was it was nasty so nasty the first, uh, the keeper, the first Wraith Queen to the last Wraith Queen. How long was that makeup process? What time would you get there in the day uh, for the mm. for the keeper? And then the last Wraith Queen that you did, how long was that in comparison? And there were different, um, there were different types of of makeup applied from beginning, yeah, as opposed to the absolutely, end. yeah. Um, you said it got I lighter. The, absolutely. So the very first um, uh, mask they made out of silicone. And so the silicone for the, for the keeper. And so the silicone was beautiful. Like it had a beautiful texture and then they could do all the face paint on top of it. So every um, time you see the Wraith Queen, that was a a mask that they painted every single time. So it wasn't pre-painted. They, they did all the splattering, everything, every single, like from the get-go. So it, the silicone had this beautiful sheen to it, you know, like it had a very, however, it was difficult to uh, emote through it. And, and as the characters evolved and became more, uh, in my opinion, more human, like we had more human characteristics, sort of like the conniving and lying, you know, the silicone was a beautiful texture to paint on, but it didn't have the pliability to, to really be able to emote uh, uh, what the character was doing. So they went from using that and uh, uh, that thick sort of silicone and the gloves um, to using bits of prosthetic. So to, uh, to uh, create the illusion of the same thing. So we we'll use spray. So the very first time, um, cause it was a test of makeup as well. Right. So we had to, you to, had to test find it. the, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, what are the hues going to look like? Uh, what is the movement? You know, so that one time, that that first time with it being that thick and, and them kind of changing and playing with colors and stuff, that was nine and a half hours. So nine and a half hours in the chair. Oh yeah. And uh, which is so fascinating because people meet me and they're like, how did you shut your mouth for nine hours? <laughs> they I don't think I did. <laughs> I, think I, I don't think I did. Um, yeah, they're like, how did you do that? Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, so the first time, the first time it took, it, it took nine and a half hours. Um, but, the, but then the, the last time, the last queen that I did, they, they had perfected it down after the very first time. It never was nine hours, nine and a half hours again. Um, the no, next the episode test. was, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so the, the next one was five hours. So we kind of got it around five hours. 
and we've got into this real routine, you know, like we're, I had, a, I had my Rafe team, I called them. They're the ones that followed me around the rest of the day when stuff would fall off and they'd have to glue it back on or my eyes would do this, you know, they were there to yeah, they shift. Me. They shift after a while. Well, yeah, the cat eyes, right? Yeah. So they would like, you know, thing. And, would that be painful? It looks like a, it does, you don't feel it. You don't, wow. well, painful. I had my prescription contacts underneath. Oh, so God. I had four lenses in my eyes. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yes. So I had my prescription lenses underneath these huge cat eye lenses. So the lenses were, you know, they just naturally, because there's a weight at the bottom, they would move. So there, I actually have a headshot somewhere, a promotion shot that uh, is like my one eye is off. It looks like a pregnancy test. Like, no, no babies, you know. Um, but yeah, so I had literally an eye wrangler that would just come and like, like put my eye back into place. An eye wrangler. Um, yeah, be like, eye wrangler over here. And, and so, you know, uh, the Wraith team, we really got into a good rhythm. They, they really knew their paces. Like Holland was my guy and they were amazing. They, 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 you know, shaved off all the extra time and they, and I, and I guess after you get to know what process is next. And so you're able to get into it quicker. And so, yeah, in the end, um, the process was, I think it was like, we had it five hours and, and on it, like really shaved it down. But they went from a silicone mask to a foam mask. Yes, so okay? submersion. So, yes, and so I love this one story. of my favorite, favorite memories of this show was, was this episode of Submersion. So I get there in the morning and, and like you asked, when did I get there? So I remember driving there like, so call time was like, uh, be on set was 9 a.m. And so to be, to, to be actually on the set. So yeah, crew call was like 7 a.m. So I had to be there five hours before this setup, right? So, so around four. I remember, yeah. So I remember going, like leaving my house to go. My alarm went off at 2 a.m., and then at 3 a.m., you know, I'm leaving the house, driving my car. I was passing people coming from nightclubs. They were just like, woo, and I'm like, going to work. They haven't you gone know? to bed yet. <laughs> I don't, they haven't even gone to bed. And yeah. I was like already up. And then I would get to Bridge Studios, and I parked, and I go around the back, and there was one trailer, one trailer, and it was the makeup trailer. Like, they didn't even have the yeah. catering. You know, they didn't have – nobody was hooked up yet. And this is before Starbucks moved in around the corner, which didn't even open till six anyway. But um, at the time, there was nobody there. So we get in and they, I've read the script. I know where we're going. It's super exciting. So we do all of our regular stuff. We get the face on. And then, of course, every time I died and came back as a new queen, um, they gave me a new hairdo, right? So they got this. Yeah, they're all different personality-wise. Yeah, exactly, and and different like where they were, you know, like so with submersion. She's like kind of murky and green, and you know she's been living in the dark, right? So living, sleeping in the dark. So she had the different hue, and anyway, they had this black hair, really, really long, gorgeous, and. They wanted to like prop it up so it looked like, a, you know, but not so stuck on my head. So they put like a circle of kind of foam 
thing to give it a bump, you know? So I had this beautiful mane of hair and then this gorgeous, you know, uh, neck piece and oh, just a stunning outfit. Again, you know, with such talented people in wardrobe. Anyway, we go into set and, and, and they're like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to have you, because we want to do this insane crane shot, right? And we go one shot at it. It's going to start from the top and you're going to show the pool and it's going to come around. And what we need you to do is go under the water and hold your breath and count so that the, 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 so you have a count to 10 as the crane is coming around, coming around, coming around. And then when it stops, we want you to like, you know, creepily come out of the water. It's going to be amazing. Right. And I'm like, this sounds awesome. So of course they took, they, you know, it has to look like I'm not in the pool. So they took this gorgeous long hair and they tied it to my belt, right? So that it didn't float up when I was in the water. So the pool itself, even though it looks really, really deep was only about maybe up to my waist. All right. And so I get into the water. They're describing it all to me. I can feel uh, my mark which happened to be like a, um, I want to say like a curling rock, but it was like a big rock with handles on it. So you could grab okay? onto it. So because I'm full of air, right? So they didn't want me to kind of float, right? My butt go up in the air. And, and it also told me where my mark was, like so where I was in, um, in focus, right? So I, so I took a big, beautiful, deep breath and I went under and I grabbed hold of this boulder, basically. And right away, I knew, uh-oh, this was a mistake. So I'm not a science expert, but foam <laughs> floats. And we had completely forgot, like no one had said to me, like, hey. So the second I got under the water, all of a sudden my face wanted to shoot straight out of the pool. And I'm like, oh my God, we have one shot at this crane shot. I've got to keep this face. And at the same simultaneous moment, my hair also decides to want to take off and it's tied to my pants. So I'm holding onto a boulder under the water full of breath. And all of a sudden my pants, my hair and my face are like trying to launch off and I'm gripping this thing for all its life. I just have to count to 10. And the boulder is starting to bounce on the bottom of the pool. Like it wants, the foam wants to be free. And I also, in the same moment, I'm thinking to myself, the second I let go of this thing, I'm going to shoot out of the water. And that's the complete opposite of what they want. So I basically had to hold onto my pants and slowly, slowly allow myself. But it was every single thing was trying to get out of the water. It was hilarious. Is that the, the shot mask, that they used? And yeah, it's in there. It, yeah, that's the one. It. it worked. Yeah, it totally worked. So the foam didn't so, disintegrate. No, but this okay. is no, because it was just trying. I was in there 10 seconds. I just had to hold on 10 seconds. But here's the thing. So when I finally come out, they're like, amazing, amazing. Let's reset and we'll go one more. And I'm like, no, yeah, we can't go again. My face will come straight up. Anyway, the masks were, were glued all the way down to my clavicle, like all the way down yeah. to this bone. 
So that night when I got home, and which is also an interesting story because I had to be driven home because of the cat eyes, right? They tunnel your vision. So when I took them out, I couldn't drive a car because I couldn't see the sides anymore. My vision was tunneled. And so anyway, when I got, and, and, I, and I always, uh, I want to say unrobed, but I had to take all the, it took two hours. What people don't realize, it took five hours to get in. It took two to get out, to get out of the makeup. So by the time I got home, I hadn't realized, but there was a string of hickeys where the mask had tied, was sucking and trying to get out of the water. So I had like a ring, a necklace of hickeys of this mask <laughs> trying to take off from underneath the swimming pool. <laughs> the punishment yeah, that you as actors take. Oh, so interesting. And, and then to, to, to elaborate and finish up this story, so we talked about what time I would get there. And I told you that the Teamsters hadn't even brought in all the trailers yet. The, right. the hair trailer, what, the wardrobe trailer wasn't there. The, the catering wasn't there. Nobody was there. Well, one night after we shot out really, really late. And I, I think it was it submersion. It might have been submersion. Um, we shot out really, really late and I was the last, so I was the first one on and the last one to leave and it takes two hours to get this stuff off. Right. So here I am in the trailer in the shower and there's like special stuff that you have to use to get all the paint off, right. All the body paint. Um, I'm in the shower and all of a sudden the whole trailer starts shaking and I'm screaming, Hey, they're like, taking I'm in off. Here, I'm in here. They thought that everybody was gone and I was the last trailer. <laughs> but the water hooked up? I mean, but is it completely that's portable? What I mean. They were, were moving. Yeah, so they were, but that's what I think. They Andy. were trying to shut everything down and they were unhooking other trailers around me and everything started shaking. And I was like, I'm in here. <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was a pretty fun experience, that's for sure. <sighs> What was it like having um, your head uh, removed by Connor Trinier? Your last episode was the last man in a in a possible oh deleted future. That was so funny. That was so funny. Yeah, there's. Did you know that there's like? Because um, my friends send me this stuff. There's a, a website, uh, or not a website, but they they make memes. Um, like Wraith and then they put like uh, they have pictures of Wraith and then they put funny sayings I'm sh have you seen I I'm these? sure I've seen some yeah the, the meme culture is one, huge yeah and there's one with Connor holding up my decapitated head have you seen it I don't think so maybe but I don't which, know what's if, the one that you're I, thinking of okay that's that's the he's holding it up and then on it it says when I asked for this is not what I meant. <laughs> All right. I didn't write it. I did not write it. I did not write. Is that the worst? Oh my god. Time code one thirty-five thirty <laughs> to, to, to mute that word. Oh, Andy. That's fantastic. 
Oh, you gosh. have to look it up. I yes. will. <laughs> you have to look it up. And then, yeah, that, so maybe you could you use that have... for seven. You could use that for Game of oh, Thrones. You God. know. Oh man, it was that's so... bad. Yeah. Ugh. So. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That's not professional. Yeah. So, no, that is, well, I just told you how professional my job is. Oh, this gosh. is what happens to me. So, yeah, you can, you can use that. If my cinematic moment has been turned into a meme, then I guess. Well, that's I mean, there, and that's not the weirdest one. I would think the weirdest one is Spoils of War when we find out how you make the, the drones. You're, not only are you in all this makeup. But you're also yeah. plugged into this this tree <laughs> birth of chair. birth chair. Yeah, for God's sake, you know. I mean, hopefully, you know, most of it was uh, built, and you just sit into it, and they just attach it to you. Yeah. You know? Well, that's exactly. It was. Um, there were. So the reality of it was, it was all the chair. Yeah. And then I just sat in the chair. That's what they and all they say, draped. Andy. It's yeah. just all and the chair. They- it's not you. It was not me. It was the chair. Uh, but yeah, they draped some stuff so it looked like I was entangled in the chair. But um, no, that was that was set deck. The incredible creations that they made. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my story of my my lost head. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, any other antics that we may have missed? I, I don't specifically usually oh ask the God. antics question, but I mean, I, you're always a treat to provide the, the fun details. Oh God, because I may not remember your name, but I'll tell you a good story. Absolutely. <laughs> I have a great memory for details. Um, well, actually we, we're talking about working with James, um, who Love is a comedian, yeah. like, come on, you know, and you do spend a lot of time uh, waiting for setups and lighting, not a lot of time. I mean, the time that's needed to be taken, but there's, there's downtime, right? And when you're in full prosthetics to go all the way back to your trailer, it really can damage more of you than, than just sitting still, you know? So he was a great source of entertainment for uh, those long hauls, I guess. And one of my favorites is, do you remember the episode where he gets turned into a human? Yeah, allies. So we use the yeah. retro, yeah. So we use the retrovirus. Yeah, yeah. So if you remember the room, it's like a, you know, it's like a bed, like it, it's like yeah, a, it's a med- surgical, like yeah, like yeah. an operating room, right? Yeah. I guess is the the word I'm looking for. So while we were wedding, and he's in full wraith, okay. And remember how I told how long it takes to get out of wraith. Right. So they didn't have him in like close up Wraith, but they had him in Wraith, you know, really like good. So he's laying on the bed and we're waiting for things and the lighting from above and this kind of stuff. And he's being a ham, you know, he's just being that. Anyway, you know, those those things that you stick on your to take a heart monitor. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't remember what the thing was, but he decided to stick them to his head and he was making me laugh. And then they're like, okay, now, uh, first team, first position. And he's like, ah, ah, and they were stuck to his face. And so he's like, slow him down. And he was like trying to like pick these things off of his, oh my God, it was in makeup. so funny. He's like, but he's already in, in makeup. That's it. And they're stuck to his mask, which is stuck to his face. 
which is, oh my God. So he's pulling, eyes are going like, uh, like, oh my God, you got to get that thing off your face. So anyway, it turns out he's like, stall them, stall them. And I'm like, oh, trying to, and he's pulling, pulling. Finally, he just gives up and he turns to them. So they're like, what's happening? Because his back is to them, you know? And he turns around with these things and he goes, I can't get them off. And so they had to take them, they had to remove them, redo the makeup, oh put them in God. the bed. Yeah, then do the one shot where this happened, you know, where he turns into the human, like, so yeah. then they had to go take all the makeup off, but I, so I mean, funny. 50 to 100 people are waiting on you, you know? That's Once it. You're and waiting so on them, and like, then they're waiting on you because you decided yeah. to be funny. Because <laughs> oh, you stuck awful. some things to your face. Yeah, so <laughs> he, yeah, he was pretty funny. So it was, I mean, it was a great cast, right? Everybody mm -hmm. was very, like, I, I mean, I, I want to say like one upsman's like, I guess you put a bunch of actors in a room and everybody wants to make everybody laugh, right. you know? Yeah. Well, so, it's a long day, when you're on, you know? Have it is. Have, you have to have a good time. So, And that's just it, you know? And there's no, I, I, and, and this is again, you know, pre- sort of pre-cell phone, like we, everybody had a cell phone, but there wasn't like all these apps the and everything. The distractions weren't like, really on the it. Distraction. There was a little bit of so, texting, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah, but you were pretty much just talking to each other, you yeah. know? Now you go on set and it's silence. I, I find that really interesting, you know? Like yeah. usually background is kind of, you know, conversing with each other. And now everybody's like, oh, and then, and then, and then as soon as you know, they say ready, then everybody's like, put them right, away. Right, but still, what a but different culture we live there's in There's not, it's so different, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I wonder now what the stories of more anti, like, if we had been so occupied, you know? Because we're on such a great set, too. It's not like we were in a lawyer's office or something, you know? Yeah, we were on is, another extraordinary planet. set, yeah. <laughs> in another galaxy. How much further out can you get? galaxy, like, yes, trying to make each other laugh. Like, it's, uh, we had a lot of good tools. <laughs> One of the things that I wish that had been explored more, and it just got dropped, you know, around season two. I mean, it still, it was still very much a part of the species, but we just didn't see it used for whatever reason was their, their uh, psionic abilities, you know? I mean, they, they yes, would, the... would invade other people's minds, you know? That yeah. Was so just, you could mine that for episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they touched again with, um, in with that Taylor. one episode with Taylor, yeah, but yeah. I, 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 but I think they leaned more that she had an ability. That's right. To Season get into three, our yeah. mind, yeah, yeah, versus versus us into her mind, or like you know, but um, yeah, they did. I, I like you said there. I think you know. Of course, I felt the show could have gone on and on and on and on because yeah. I'm sure the fans would as have, its as fans, well. yeah, at least one yeah, more year, wrap up the rave. Yeah, and, and there was so much to explore about mm -hmm. them, you know, and, and it was exciting to see where they were going with it. Like, so, you know, what, what could they have done with, you know, um, just by, like you said, diving into those different characteristics and where would that have gone? And I mean, possibility, right? Batmall, so much there. a fan, uh, uh, Batmall asked, um, would you like to make a return in Stargate in the future? And uh, a question, how would you feel about motion capture augmenting uh, some of the makeup? Yeah. I, oh, well, I mean, okay, number one, 
Absolutely. If they want me to play anything on the on a, a reboot of Stargate of any, oh yes, I had such a great time. I really love the writing. I love um, this the the concept of the show, everything about it. So I would yes, absolutely. And I, I mean, not about the the talent and the creativity of creating the costumes and the makeup and stuff, which I think the talent is unbelievable. I feel uh, there might be more freedom in a motion capture and then adding, you know, because we, there were limitations uh, in the cost, you know, in the prosthetics, uh, even mobility things, um, uh, using different, like, I think there might've been more freedom to use the body more. Uh, if we weren't encumbered, you know, by so many of the prosthetics and, and just the fatigue, you know, of, of wearing them, you know, it really all day, you know, it takes a lot of energy to, to keep, to just have all of that on you all the time. So if you didn't have that, imagine the, the exploration you could, but this is not to take away from their incredible talent of, of how they make these things. No, it just uh, might be yeah, a different I, way to explore it. So. Yes. Yeah. Just give the give the characters different characteristics as well. Like give the race uh, different mobilities and different. Yeah. Like I feel there might have been more freedom with the with the motion capture because because of that you don't have the physical limitations. Did you did you utilize the the difference of each queen's appearance as the starting place for? giving them a slightly altered personality or did the script come first? Was it a combination of both? The script. Okay. For me, well, I think it's a good combination of both, but for me it was more the, the script, you know, the script, the script tells you, the writing tells you what the intention is. And when you know the intention, then you, you have a behavior, mm. you know, that, that gets you your, or you attempt to get your intention met, you know, you get your d demands met. And so you'll try different tactics. So I think the differences between the Queens was their different intentions of what they wanted. They all wanted something different. Yeah. They all wanted something very different. And so I happen to have these different characteristics, like in the, uh, in the, in allies, the queen was much more, uh, sophisticated, like she was much more, she was less race and more uh, human, you know, like she was yeah. very fashion well, she, conscious. It, well, and she, she was thinking, shoes. she did have some good shoes in the leather, the white leather. I sold that outfit, but she was thinking very strategically, oh, wow. you know, I mean, yes. she was thinking and much so more towards was, galactic domination. Exactly. And she was using that. So she was, she was using more of her human characteristics to talk to them you know, I, I, I remember this one scene sitting across from uh, from from uh, Shepard and 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 I remember thinking like she's really pulling back because she, you know, really they wants, she wants to something. kind of. Yeah, yeah, she really wants something. But instead of using her like normal, I'm just the boss. Give me what I want. Yeah, like and I, and I remember see actually watching that particular episode and I can see where my mom where my face changed as I made the decision to play it differently. Um, and so that's also in the organic moment of, of working with uh, the, you know, Tori and, 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 and Joe and everyone, like in that moment. So uh, 
but yeah, I, I don't think the, the prosthetics came along, came with me, if that makes sense. Like you make the intention based on the script and then the, char- then the characteristics of the prosthetics came along with the character. They weren't sort of first and then, yeah. Wow. Very I think that's cool. a long about way to answer your question. No, <laughs> it works. Do you have uh, a little bit more time for trivia? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And I, look at me, I wrote down. Ah! I wrote down some questions. Oh, my God. I wrote some questions. Okay. Uh, Who was the trivia? It was submitted by a fan. Did you have their name in the email? Okay, I can pull it. I'm I'm ready for certain. I didn't even have the air conditioner on when I got here. I am not that ready. That's fair. All right. I thought I was excellent at finding paper and a pen. In this (laughs) generation, I found a paper and a pen. I thought that was pretty ingenious of me. So Plachu (laughs) submitted the trivia questions that you're going to ask for me. And I, of course, have ones for you. So what is your easy question for me? I have not peaked. Okay. Okay. Oh, boy. When was Atlantis's shield raised for the first time by Atlantis personnel? Uh, they get their ZPM in the Siege Part 3, just before the darts do a kamikaze. I'm going to say it's the Siege Part... Th- no! I'm wrong. I'm Ooh! wrong. <laughs> Good I'm completely cat. wrong. Wow, no, look it's at the you. uh the eye. Wow. Was wow. I wrong? Okay. No. Oh. No, you absolutely got it's it right. It turned you on absolutely... for like a for like like not even a minute. It's turned on just okay. long enough to 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 stop the tsunami. So An easy one. I yeah, I have an easy one for you. Okay. All right. Well, well, it's it's the easy one of the three. There's a medium and a hard. What is the function of the jewelry worn on the fingers of Wraith Queens. Oh. So they don't pick their nose? <laughs> you, Andy, told this to me. I asked you once, and you said, oh, it's for this. <laughs> to, make a, to make a fist? What's on their hands? Oh, the hangina. <laughs> to close your Gina? Yes, Andy. That's correct. Oh my gosh. I said that. It, it's no, not that. It's oh, funny. It's armor. <laughs> it's armor. Yes. To protect your genie. Yes. Keep that <laughs> my heavens. All right. I can't believe I said that. I don't that's the first time I've actually heard you say that. So anyway. Yeah. The, so yeah. the, the, the yeah, they because they're the most Gina? sensitive. They're most sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. So they, it's armor in case they get, you know, they pommeled. get their Gina knocked. Andy Frizzell. And you know, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> and you know how I found out that that's what they call that, right? No. Who said it? So, uh, yeah. So I was. They they had a bunch of them in the in the prosthetics trailer. Oh, so they were applied on the wall. So okay. They, yeah. So they reapplied. And so I was like, hey, what is this hand Gina? And they're like, wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. And I was like, what? And they're like, it's called a hand Gina. (laughs) (laughs) 
Whatever makes it work, man. <laughs> no, I, so I call it a Gina. I'll got like, it. That's the Gina. So the <laughs> armor is to protect their Genas. Yes. I got it. Oh, my God. Oh, man, I can't believe it. Hey. I can't believe I forgot that. No, just... <laughs> Well, that was only round one. All right, you start round two. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, in which Atlantis episode do we see... Oh, wait. No, I think that's the hard one. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Oh, okay. Whoops. Yes. Okay, wait. Um, in how many episodes do we see Samantha Carter with glowing ghouled eyes? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's an SG one question. So the first one was um, in the line of duty, and then uh, the next one was Nightwalkers because she had a um, she had a an infant one implanted. Then I think that's it. Oh my god, you're a wizard! I swear I've not looked at them. I'm not cheating. So is, is it is that it? Oh is my it God, the two? I know. Yes, you got both. It's like of if them. it's a third one, I can't I can't think of the third. So okay. No, no, that's you got both of them. Wow, awesome! You're super good at this, I'm and super I'm super sad not human good. Being. <laughs> <laughs> not medium. at all. That's great. That's a medium one. All right. So medium question for you: Before Colonel Sumner. The first person the keeper consumed was sitting at the table. Uh, what? <laughs> what was the name? The stroking of the skeleton. Yes, yes. Before he became, before he became Skeletor, <laughs> uh, what is the name of his race or his home planet? Okay, so I don't know um, that answer to that question, uh, but I do know that he was with Taylor. And I will tell you a little story about when I went to see the premiere of the show. So you know that when we shoot things, we shoot them out of sequence and we shoot them, right? So prior to this, it was only a skeleton, right? So we're in the show and we're watching the premiere and I'm like, wow, this is really exciting. And then I see Taylor and my friend get scooped up in a beam and I'm like, Hey, I know that guy. And three people around me started laughing because <laughs> I didn't know that that was him. That's the skeleton that you, you know, ate. Like the, <laughs> that I ate. I was like, "Hey, I know that guy." And oh, that's funny. Laughing. <laughs> Jeez. So unfortunately, I know the human him. I don't know the. the well, I mean, name? I guess he's still human. Now you're now you you get do we not just go over how okay. I'm bad with the Okay, names? all right, that's a fair point. All right. Okay, so let me give you a hint. So three musketeers. Porthos. The, the chocolate bar? No, no, no. No. <laughs> no. The three uh, uh, oh, gosh, for heaven's sakes. Okay. Alexandra Dumas. No, give it to me. Give it okay. to me. Three so musketeers. Three, Porthos and starts with an A. Ath- Athros? Athos? Yes. Ah! There you go. She's from Athos. You got it. Athos. It's like pulling teeth. Okay. It's like pulling wraith teeth. All right. Yeah. How was that? Teeth. How was talking? <laughs> All we want is the retrovirus. Oh my god. All you the eat. It was a lot of ADR. It had to have been. 
Yes, a lot of ADR, yeah. which I, I really would like to say launched my voice acting career because I had to do so much ADR. Uh, yes, we had a lot. There was a lot of, I, I mean, it is definitely not COVID-19 approved, those teeth, oh like 100%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I did a lot of spitting. That's, yeah. <laughs> I did sound like, you know, Tweety Bird from like this about like, I think I shot out. Yeah, I'm going to get you. And how, you know, when you're like talking to, you know, Robert Patrick and you're like, you know, like how you laugh again. I mean, how do they just keep from laughing? Exactly. How are they not laughing? What's my hard question? Okay. Your hard question. Okay. In which Atlantis episode do we see Call Warriors. The Call Warriors were in an episode. That's right. Oh yeah. my gosh! Can you? It's. I think it's. My the episode names are are not that good for me anymore. I think that it's Phantoms. Is that right? Oh my god! It's Is that totally right. right. Yes. Yeah, because I did an interview yes. with Dan Payne, and I said uh, I was oh bringing god, up the Call amazing. Warriors, and before the episode had aired, he was like, "I wear it again." I'm like, "But they're gone." He's like, "I know." I said, "You wear it again?" He said, "Yeah." And then, oh! and then Phantoms came out, and it was a flashback. It was oh it was Atlantis gosh. doing little ties to SG One, and it was brilliant. So that was I think that okay. Was, that was Phantoms. So- for extra points, can you tell me what season it was in? Uh, I think it's season three. Ding! Okay, is for it season extra, three? Okay. Extra, it is. Oh, God. For extra, extra points. The episode number? Yeah. It's it's the early half of the season. I think It's around seven or eight. Oh, so close. It's nine. <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> Oh god. It's more of it's coming back as I as I talk with you guys more. So that's yeah. that's kind of interesting. Oh my I'm not hopeless. God. Andy, You're your amazing. hard question is Oh no, is it my last name? Please let it be what's my last name. What's my hard question? <laughs> name the only episode a Wraith Queen appears in Atlantis. What? A Wraith Queen appears in Atlantis? That's allies. Yes! That was an easy one. Right. <laughs> I thought it was hard. Oh so. my God. That's the easy one. Um, because I was, and I remember that one, that episode specifically, because I was with my friend Brent State, who was, yes, uh, playing he was Connor's character. Right. And yeah. Connor did the voiceover later. Yes. And so Brent, uh, so we, they were like, let's wrap this up. And Brent's like, let's take a bunch of pictures of us in front of this gate because we're never coming back. No. <laughs> like, so we did, we did a bunch of pictures in front of the gate. It was gorgeous. So, because, you know, we're always on our planet Absolutely. or whatever in our ship. So we were like, we got to take a bunch of selfies of us in this. <laughs> so bonus for you. Who did Uh-oh. Brent played uh, someone in season one of SG one for two episodes. Uh, name the character from the movie that he was playing or the actor that he was replacing from the movie. Oh my God. You're so mean. <laughs> Can you give me another chocolate bar hint? <laughs> uh, uh, 
<laughs> when is he playing? Stand by for the big giant head. Oh, but you don't watch oh TV. My. I don't. I mm. feel terrible that I don't know that. And he's and Brent has done so much. Like he's so talented and has done so many things that so it would be in in the feature film. Oh, no. There is an actor who his first name is a European language. Okay, in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, his is is a European. His language? the actor's the Check. actor's first name is a European language. Is is his, is his name Czech Republic? Is his name? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Parlez vous français? <laughs> oh, his name is French. <laughs> French. It was in Third Rock from the Sun. Oh my God! I'm so bad with names. French Stewart. Remember? French. Oh, French Stewart. Brent okay. State replaced French Stewart in SG1 in the pilot episode oh. and in the season one finale. Uh, oh my God. Within the Serpent's Grass. You're amazing. It's, You're I'm finally amazing putting this information to use again. Names. So, But it wasn't oh for a while, gosh. and now I'm playing in the universe again, and now it's coming back. So, yeah. But, but hey, you got that hard question. Back. You hit that out of the park. Oh, and you got, you got Athos after prompting. Is- I feel like you had a list of questions and you're like, if she can't answer number two, we got to go back. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's great. Andy, oh, my last question awesome. for you. Yes, the fans, yes. the fans have really been um, tremendous in this. This, this happy Halloween, Andy, by the way, this will air on Halloween. Oh, yes. So um, <laughs> almost, of, almost of all the, of all the, the, the ones to air, the ones that make the best uh, Halloween costumes. We're talking to her right here. And I have yes. seen some amazing Wraith costumes and cosplay. Um, and before I let you go, I have to know uh, any uh, standout uh, experiences, which is any standout experiences with um, fans over the years from the conventions. Oh my God. That would be another hour and 40 minutes for sure. <laughs> if I gave a shout out, I, honestly, every single convention that I went to, I had an experience with just connecting with people. I, I mean, I'm a theater trained actor. And uh, when you do theater, you are, you immediately feel the connection to the audience and their connection to your work. And, and so when you're in the medium of film and TV, you don't get that. And so going to a convention and being able to then it's like, I mean, it's, it's after the fact, but feeling from each of the fans there, what, again, we go back to the imagination that it inspired in them, the creativity that inspired in them. So they would when be it brought them peace. Yes. Yeah. Like they just, uh, they, they love the show so much. And then you get that connection with them through your work and then it validates, you know, it's like you're getting that. I mean, it's, later but you you do still get that connection with them so i would say any convention that i went to um there's not one actually that's a lie i just remember i just thought of a really funny okay (laughs) i just remembered one you can't stop there i know i just uh okay so i think you might have to get permission from holly do you know Holly? No. Uh, to, to, okay, well then, good. I'll just say it. I'll just say it's Holly and I. So we were in Chicago, 
and uh, near the hotel that the convention is, there's a, a nightclub and a, like a casino with like a nightclub in it. And we, after the day's events and we were all wound up, you know, you get to meet so many people and it was so exciting and so much fun. And I wasn't ready to sleep. And she's like, well, let's go. And I'm like, let's go dance it off at this, at this place. And so we ended up in this nightclub, (laughs) all these guys dressed in these weird outfits and they were busting out moves from like the 1980s and I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life I don't know whether they were like trying to trying to pick up ladies or if they were like paid to be there but oh my god I don't think I've ever laughed so hard so there is that time (laughs) with Holly uh yeah, that was really fun because it was very spontaneous. But but I, I do have to say, I, I, I wouldn't want to single out just one fan because they're all so amazing. And, and like you said, uh, this show is still alive, you know, because of the fans. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing. It's very well in streaming. Yes, it's amazing. I, I love it. And it's the fans that are keeping it alive and, and keeping these characters alive. And so... Yeah, I, I mean, I can't single out one. I, I love conventions. I love connecting with you guys and, and getting the feedback about the show. And, and it's, it's really exciting for me that you know all this trivia. Like, it means so much to you. And I got to be a yeah. part of that. Yeah. You know? No, it's a very important That's part of my cool. life. It's You weren't just creating a character and then taking a paycheck and going home and doing the next gig. You guys were creating content that matters to people. You know, yeah. and you're making you're making Shakespearean content that makes you think, you know, yeah. and you had your part yeah. to play in that. And I really appreciate you coming on and spending two hours with me. Oh, my you know, God. Of your afternoon. It has. So they're going <laughs> to eat it up. You're going to have to edit. I will. You're going to have to edit, edit, edit. I will. Andy talking too much. Oh. <laughs> hey, you were interesting, you know, and you I have haven't to, seen you, you in two years. So, know. you know, it's, it's, what a journey. Neither is my on. mom. Wow. <laughs> Neither is my mom. Well, I hope you, I hope you FaceTime her. So. Mm. Yes, actually I do very much so. But uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a while since I've been back. That's for sure. But I, I know it's, it's, I, there's so much gratitude that comes from the fans to us. And, and I don't know if we've told you or I specifically how much I appreciate the fans. The fans are always saying to us, like how grateful that they are to us that we put this, you know, we'll be able to participate in this. But I always want to thank the fans because to be a part of this and, and to have it still living this long. And um, Tori Higgins and I did a convention in, um, in England a while back and she said something that really resonated with me is at the end of the convention and she was thanking the fans and she said, what other profession do people get to participate in something that lives like this, that the people are so grateful for, that thank us, you know? And, and she said, I don't know any other profession where, you know, you go to the post office and yeah. you're like, thanks for delivering the mail, Not you know? Mass. Not, not maybe the teaching, way but that's a one-on-one yeah. experience. You're making, but you're that's... making a one-on-one connection with millions of people around the world. Yeah. 
And their, and their gratitude humbles me. And I, and, and I think that's what Tori was trying to say is that there's no other profession that you get pulled up on, you know, uh, to, to these conventions up on stage and just platitudes of, of, of great, you know, gratitude, gratefulness coming at you uh, for something you create and co-created with, uh, with everyone else, writers, directors, you know, but it's, it's pretty amazing. And I'm humbled by it and you guys, you know, keeping it alive and, and, and it's still relevant because of yeah. you guys. I, I think, you know? I think the material makes it relevant. I think, I think yeah. the fans are just responding to those ripples. You guys put yeah. out some good and, ripples. And, yeah, exactly. No, it's really amazing. So I thank you for taking two hours to hang out with me. I really appreciate it's it. It's always a pleasure. From that first dinner that we had at Earl's before we, <laughs> before we sat down for that first interview, I was like, she's a keeper. Oh and my, she is the keeper. A talker. And the talker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, that was keeper. not on purpose. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. That happens to me all that. the time. You Ugh. have to do that. She is literally a keeper. The <laughs> keeper. That's going to be the title of this one. Because the other one was Queen of the Hungry. Now yes. this one has She's to be the keeper. The keeper. A She's keeper, a real the keeper. keeper of the keeper. Yeah. That's too funny. Andy, I would love to have you back when you are stateside to have a live Q and A with fans. Um, I have. That I can't tell you fantastic. how much I've missed you, and um, oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate you being one of my first guests on the show. Oh, thank you so much. And yes, when when we're in a time zone that's applicable, <laughs> that's compatible, uh, I will. Yeah, when we're in a time zone that's compatible, I would absolutely love to be on the show again. That thank would be you great. so much, Andy. I no, appreciate you taking Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Andy Frizzell, everyone. The Wraith Queens. Thank you so much for hanging on uh, with us through this show. We definitely ran a little bit longer than expected, but Andy was willing. So, hey, if I've got a guest who, you know, is having interesting stories and, you know, we're not we're not locked into the the next uh, bumming up to the next guest. I'm certainly thankful for their time. But before we go. If you like what you've seen in this episode, I would really appreciate it if you'd click that like button. It makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Continue to grow, I should say. We're, we're doing amazing. Thanks to you. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. If you plan to watch live, I recommend giving the bell icon a click so that you'll be the first to know of any schedule changes, which will probably happen all the time. And bear in mind, clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Halloween to everyone that's out there. I hope you guys are staying safe, and um, we'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. 
Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. <laughs>